know a lot about golf. It is indeed us, those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith at the uh, Golf Cave, Timbergate Golf Course in Edinburgh, Indiana, which is a good place for the number one golf instructor in the state of Indiana to hang his hat and all his other accoutrements. It is for the wintertime, you know. <laughs> I got a nice uh, nice indoor gig here. I get to look out and see the lousy weather, but get 70 degrees inside. Matter of fact, I am the con- climate controller. It's oh, awesome. So, so everybody... Yeah. Must be comfortable if Jeff is comfortable, because that's the standard, right? Jeff's comfort. It is, because if I'm not comfortable, I'm going to make me comfortable. And if you're not, well, you know. (laughs) Go somewhere else and learn how to play golf. Yeah, if you think (laughs) you can. (laughs) Lots of luck to you, buddy. Hey, I've got a couple of uh, pieces of information uh, I think uh, we need to share with the world this week. One is I have heard Uh that that, uh, Tiger Woods – has uh, been uh, instrumental in developing a new golf ball for Bridgestone. Now, I don't know if he just said, listen, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z, and the Bridgestone engineers made it happen, or if he actually knows enough to design a golf ball. We're going to get those questions answered when we talk to Elliot Mello from uh, Bridgestone a little bit later on in the hour. And I also read an article that – Sounds like it was written by a woman who listens to us on a regular basis. <laughs> oh, was, no. Yeah, it was um, three steps to breaking 80. And we're going to discuss what her steps were because I believe they are – her steps are right in step with your steps. Things that you have mentioned oh, really? repeatedly on this program. So that's why I'm getting the mm. idea that maybe she's um, – you know, she's listening to us and just ripping us off, you know? <laughs> Well, in which case, she's ripping me off. Well, that that is true. But, you know, then what do I say? Uh, imitation is the uh, sincerest form of flattery. As long as you get paid. Yeah. yeah and, then, uh, and then other people say, don't agonize, <laughs> just plagiarize. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about that. And a few more mistakes that golfers make that uh, we neglected to point out last week. Actually, we ran yeah, out of time. Yeah, because we kind of got hung up on a couple because we got lots of them. So many mistakes. So little time. <laughs> That's right. You got that right. We got it right. So that is, uh, in in a nutshell, what you're going to be hearing as this hour progresses, this morning or this afternoon, whenever you are listening. We appreciate you being here more than you will ever know. We are those weekend golf guys, and we're going to get into it big time when we come right back. Hang with us. You know, golfers, we love gear. It's a big part of our game, and we put a lot of time and, and let's face it, a lot of money into getting it right, whether we're researching our next irons or maybe even testing out some new tees. But there is one important piece of equipment that we overlook, your golf cart battery. Most of us don't consider the quality of our battery. That That is until it dies, and we're stranded out in the middle of the course. That's why we want you to know about the Relyon Insight battery, the intelligent golf cart battery that utilizes intuitive software for better performance and fewer disconnects. The Relyon Insight battery is powered by lithium, not lead acid, so it charges faster, provides more range, and requires no maintenance. It's a drop-in replacement, so just connect and go. You can learn more at RelyonBattery.com slash GolfGuys and use our special promo code GolfGuys for 10% off. Plus, you'll get a free charger when you order two or more Insight batteries. Again, that's RelyonBattery.com slash GolfGuys and use promo code GolfGuys. And no other lithium battery compares to Relyon's. 
Order yours today. I want to talk to you about my wife. She is a critical care nurse, works four 12-hour shifts a week at the hospital. Her niece heard. And she's tried the Icy Hots and the Bengays of the world only to say, yeah, I get 20 minutes of relief. That pain is right back again. So I got this bottle of stuff in the mail. This is Omax Health. It's called CryoFreeze CBD. They developed it at Omax Health. It's a non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on, specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. All right, so she rolled it on and went to work. Came back in the morning, and you know what she said to me? It works! Olmax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of Crypto Freeze Pain Relief Roll-On, plus free shipping. Now, the discount also applies to anything, any product, site-wide on their website. Just go to OmaxHealth.com today. Enter the code WEEKEND and take advantage of this incredible savings. That is O-M-A-X-Health.com. And enter the code WEEKEND. You'll get 20% off Cryo Freeze and anything else site-wide. OmaxHealth.com. Us, those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. Three steps to breaking 80. It makes it sound so easy, doesn't it? It does. Does it involve a pencil and an eraser? <laughs> no, it doesn't, suspiciously enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, that? yeah it's, it's really strange. <laughs> One of the things she said, and it was a woman who wrote the article. Let me make sure I get this now right. Make sure to have no more than 33 putts. Okay. That's. I could go with that. Yeah. That if you have more than that, then you really need to work on your putting before you will be able to break 80. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a part of putting that, you know, I I agree 33 is a, a high number. However, lots of people like to look at the stat of putting a little differently, right? So let's say that they are um, looking at it like, well, what if you hit uh, all 18 greens and you two-putted them all? That's... 32 putts and somebody would say boy that's not so good it's 36 putts it's 36 putts yeah Yeah. sorry yeah Yeah, it's 36 putts great golf teacher terrible math teacher okay go on well i'm just thinking out loud right it's 36 putts right Right. yeah so is that bad no not really what if i just hit all 18 greens in regulation but i had two putts on every one you're you're shooting even more oh you're a bad putter because you should make one but yet i just broke 80 yeah in fact, you shot even and, par. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that certain stats just on their own need to be outlawed because there's always context. Sure. Like I just gave you one outside of the bad math. I just gave you some context to where more than 33 putts still was really good. Somebody would take issue with that and say, no, you should have at least made one birdie. How do you know that I didn't hit it to 25 feet? Every time, rolled it up to two feet, tapped every one of them in because no one would say that those 25 footers rolling up to two feet were bad putts and that every two footer got made and those are all pretty good putts and there was no choking. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. think that everything in context. Yeah. Nobody would anyway. say that. However, the context being that if you have yet to break 80, the chances of you hitting every green in regulation is slim to virtually none. That's true. That's context for that, that right. stat. So that's where the 33 and, and what she said was that's, that's two putts, uh, on most greens and, uh, four or three, three one putts or four one putts is you do the math. You're so good at it. So that's, um, that's how that works. The other thing she said, and this is where I thought she had just come from the Jeff Smith school was basically not to outdo yourself. Stay out yeah. of trouble. 
Be yeah. smart. <laughs> Learn to play the right spot on the golf course. Right, exactly. She said, listen, if, if you've got a second shot over water and you're not really good at the distance or going over water, lay up. Take three shots yeah. to get to the green instead of two because a bogey is much better than a double or triple bogey. So let's let's also put that into context because there are times where I actually coach my players if there's a long par five and they they need let's say that it's a, a need to have the lowest score and it's okay if they walk off with a bogey what chance are they taking if there's water up in front of the green and they're 220 yards out am I always coaching them to say always lay up to whatever distance and then wedge it on in two putts. No, not all the time, but a good bit of the time. But let's say that there's this player that's out there that has the 210 to 220 yards is not an issue for them to get it over that water. And they could have a chance then at possibly getting it on the green and possibly making an eagle. And if they miss the eagle, they've got a pretty good chance at birdie, right? Right. So that one, if they, they need to, let's say that they're in second place. And it's the last hole of a tournament, so to speak. And the situation says an eagle or birdie wins, a par ties, and a bogey, you, you get, you're sitting there in a place where your only upside is there and the downside does not hurt you. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you need to win. So we've got, we've got a situation where it won't get worse if you make a bogey. So what if your second ball goes into the water? Let's say it's you, John. And I said, John, go ahead, fire it in, fire it up there. And if it doesn't go in, um, you know, now all of a sudden you're dropping your third shot and wedging it on your fourth. And then you got a putt for a five and possibly a six. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's not ideal. No. But what happened if you're a lousy wedge player, your second shot you lay up and your third shot is the one you dump into the water? Uh oh. Yeah. Now all of a sudden your third shot's in the water, your fourth shot's a drop. And now your fifth is on the green. And now you got trouble, right? Yeah, you've got to so get a hope. That's why we talk about different situations. Sure. Sure. But again, we're talking not somebody who's in a tournament having to hit a birdie to win. We're talking about someone who's never broken 80. That's right. So again, context of the conversation. Exactly. Which is awesome. Exactly. So that way, that's why everybody listens to the show realizes, hey, look, sometimes we're talking about different scenarios. So if we're talking about the guy who hasn't broken 80 yet, I'm, you're right. I'm going to say, hey, look, pal, do you really want to mess around with that water on this shot? Right. I don't want that thing coming down near trouble. I want it going up over trouble on the next shot. So that way I've got my best chance of going over trouble. Exactly. The, the three, the three steps in a nutshell. And we, we've been, we've been. What's the third? What's the third? The third is try to hit eight greens in regulation. Eight. Oh, yeah. This is target the four par fives and four out of the remaining 14 holes. So that's eight. And said, remember, you don't go pin hunting. Don't try to get it close. What you're doing is you're just trying to get it on the green. So you probably should aim for the fat part of the green. And get there. that right there makes so much sense Yeah, for most players because the don't go pin hunting thing is so hard for people, yeah. especially guys. Oh, yeah. Chances are that you're going to have a better score if you have a putter in your hand one shot sooner yeah. than you do if you have a wedge around the green. Why? Because most people are terrible around the greens because they never practice it because they go, oh, it's just a small shot. 
Mm-hmm. If I'm going to spend any time practicing, it's going to be out at the driving range, and I'm really not going to spend it near the green because ah, those shots are easy. Yeah. And then guess what? They never get them close. And and she goes on to uh, mimic or, or repeat something that I have said, and it says, "If you come up short of the green on a par four in three, the sand wedge away, grab your putter and roll it up." Because if you try to do the hero yeah. shot, you're more apt to do a double bogey, and it's best to guarantee the bogey. So there's a lot of context here, right? Mm-hmm. Because I agree and disagree all at the same time. Yeah, but again, you got to you, you got to remember you gotta what the talent to you got to remember you're talking about. Yeah, right? the talent level of who you're talking about. Remember that. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. First one is who you're talking about, because I think that it takes a significant amount of talent to putt from fringe, rough. Or fairway to get that close. And it takes just a little less talent to take a sand wedge and get it over the trouble and onto the green rolling and get it kind of close. I really have seen it so many different ways where so many people are uncomfortable with their putter from anywhere off the green because they just don't feel like they can succeed with it because it's such a foreign thing to them. Mm-hmm. So I think context is important here. It is. The way I would suggest it is. When I'm working with a player, do you feel confident with either of these clubs? Which would you feel more confident in having in your hand with this lie, with this amount of grass of this type in front of you or even out of a bunker? I've seen people putt it out of bunkers to great success if they don't have big lips and thick grass around it. Yeah. And I've seen people with sand wedge around it and and never touch a putter if the sand is firm, right? I've seen all kinds of things. So I think it's completely in context to the golfer themselves. Right. Because some people have the, the, let's give it an equal amount of lack of skill, either, either shot. Now, which one would you rather have on a comfort level? And then I think that they're going to be more successful with the one they're most comfortable with. And also you have to, you have to actually, where it's a short of the green, you have to define short. I mean, what is short? You're talking two, three feet. Yes. You're talking, six to 10 to 15 yards no right so right so that's where where some more context comes into sure. play here is, is what you bring out yeah it, it depends on the shot it and does. depends on the player it does and if we can do that i love her thought yeah right? so I just do. just the, the three things keep She's in taking mind the risk out yeah just three things one is is you know just try to hit eight greens in regulation out of the whole 18 Go for 33 putts or less. That's two putts on 15 holes and one putt on three holes. And and try to get nothing worse than a bogey for a score. You do those three things. You do them repeatedly. And you work at doing them. Then eventually this year will be your year. We'll break it. We got more. We're coming back. Don't you move. We are those weekend golf guys. The bad news is my Red Sox traded Mookie Betts. The good news is he traded him to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So when I go to Phoenix, I'll be able to get up close and personal, maybe even get a Mookie Betts autograph. Uh, you know, he may not be a Red Sox anymore, but that's okay. The Dodgers do their spring training in the Phoenix area. In fact, 15 Major League Baseball teams do their spring training in the Phoenix area. There are 10 stadiums. They're all within like a 50-mile radius of uh, Phoenix. Great golf courses, too, so I can kill two birds with one stone. Bring the sticks, play some great golf, watch some great baseball, bring the kids, go see the Grand Canyon, the Painter Desert, bring the wife, go out, see some concerts. 
uh, have some fun nightlife with the local breweries around there. Goldwater Brewing Company. You ever been there? Mm -hmm. Then you know. Check it out for me, please. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com, which is a good idea in and of itself. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. I want to talk to you about my wife. She is a critical care nurse, works four 12-hour shifts a week at the hospital. Her niece hurt. And she's tried the Icy Hots and the Bengays of the world only to say, yeah, I get 20 minutes of relief. That pain is right back again. So I got this bottle of stuff in the mail. This is Omax Health. It's called CryoFreeze CBD. They developed it at Omax Health. It's a non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on, specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. All right, so she rolled it on and went to work. Came back in the morning, and you know what she said to me? It works! Olmax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryptoFreeze pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. Now, the discount also applies to anything, any product, site-wide on their website. Just go to OmaxHealth.com today. Enter the code WEEKEND and take advantage of this incredible savings. That is O-M-A-X-Health.com. And enter the code WEEKEND. You'll get 20% off CryoFreeze and anything else site-wide. OmaxHealth.com. You know, golfers, we love gear. It's a big part of our game, and we put a lot of time and, and let's face it, a lot of money into getting it right, whether we're researching our next irons or maybe even testing out some new tees. But there is one important piece of equipment that we overlook, your golf cart battery. Most of us don't consider the quality of our battery. That That is until it dies, and we're stranded out in the middle of the course. That's why we want you to know about the Relyon Insight battery, the intelligent golf cart battery that utilizes intuitive software for better performance and fewer disconnects. The Relyon Insight battery is powered by lithium, not lead acid, so it charges faster, provides more range, and requires no maintenance. It's a drop-in replacement, so just connect and go. You can learn more at RelyonBattery.com slash GolfGuys and use our special promo code GolfGuys for 10% off. Plus, you'll get a free charger when you order two or more Insight batteries. Again, that's RelyonBattery.com slash GolfGuys and use promo code GolfGuys. And no other lithium battery compares to Relyon's. Order yours today. If you're in sales, you know that people buy things from people they know, they like, and they trust. It can take forever to build that kind of a relationship unless you use golf. Business golf is the quickest way to build trust with your clients and potential customers. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Go there now and check it out. It's us. We're back those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here, Jeff Smith there. And I'm sure you have played with this guy. You have played with the guy who aims, folds the club, who gets it all set up, goes through his pre-shot routine, puts the club behind the ball, and just yeah. stands there. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he becomes a statue. It's like, sometime today, buddy. Come on. Hey, while we're young, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, here's, here's what happens to those guys. They are standing there essentially flipping out. They're locking up. They're losing all their athleticism. Mm -hmm. They're losing all sorts of, well, let's say, flow because they're just tense and becoming more tense. Yeah. They just stand there. And then all of a sudden, then they start to move. And it's always a quick jerky takeaway because they stood there. And then all of a sudden, they burst into motion. Yeah. Like, oh boy. Like they've got time they have to make up Here for. Here we go. Exactly. I got to swing fast now. Yeah. You know, you can tell those people have rarely done anything athletic. Mm -hmm. I see them and I, and I try to help them with their golf games. So I see things like that. 
I've run into people who struggle like that where they'll stand there even in front of me on the driving range. And once they get set, if they haven't pulled that trigger in like a couple of seconds, I'm getting a picture of who they are already. They're the person who's thinking about either eight zillion things or they're just uh, unsure of themselves about what's going to happen. And they're like waiting for some miraculous thing to befall upon them <laughs> so they can succeed. <laughs> right. Yeah, I hear I you. see what I see. <laughs> yeah. I see what I see. Yep. But, you know, we all got the guy. On, he's on the golf course and we're all seeing him. And you can see him from across the golf course, too. Because when someone is stationary for that long, people turn their heads and they go, oh, no, he's in front of us. Yeah. And we'll <laughs> Come be. back to the golf shop. Going, Can we start on number four, please? <laughs> Can you imagine? There's a lineup on Saturday morning on the first tee. It's the 8.30 tee time. And that dude is on the tee. And there's 30 carts lined up. There's people in the range. There's people on the putting green. There's people every place. The busy track. And all of a sudden, that guy is standing there. And you can hear this collective groan from all the other players going, my day is shot. And then it's even worse if there are multiple that guys in the same foursome. So so not only is it bad for your golf game, but it's bad socially. Yes. It's bad for everybody else behind you. Let That's me tell right. you. You will not make friends easily. How about the guy who screws up his game because he's always practicing his driver instead of his wedges? Yeah. Going to the driving range yeah. to hit driver. Yeah. Not to warm up to get ready to play and hit a whole bunch of wedges because you're going to need them because you're going to miss a lot of greens and help your score that way. Nope. Driver, 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 driver. Oh, I run out of balls. I got to go back to the pro shop, get some more balls and driver, 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 driver. Got to straighten this thing out. Can't play with it going this way. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. So far, there's no wedging. There's no chipping around the greens. There's no putting. There isn't anything but banging driver. I'm like, okay. So, but here's the thing, John. You know that golf to an awful lot of people is the tee shot. Yes, it is. Is is yep. the driver. Yep. Right. That you, you can't just say that. Oh, they're they're bad at golf because they're bad at the driver. No, but that does make them bad at golf because they're bad at the driver because they can never hit it in play. Well. They're sitting there thinking, I got to hit this. I got to hit this. Got to hit this. I'm like, no, you don't, dude. You can hit a five iron off the tee and hit another five iron, hit a little wedge on the green and make a putt. Yeah. That's still four. Yeah. I mean, that's that we have all played behind or with that old dude, right? Whether it's a driver or a five iron or a pitching wedge, the swing is the same. The ball flight is the same. And basically the distance is the same. About 150 yards straight down the middle. John, I don't understand how you can say that. How is it that you can play behind yourself? It's not me, man. It's Intrepid Producer Mark. <laughs> I'm Army Golf, and you know it. Uh, okay. <laughs> left, right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> but that guy, I mean, it, it gets to be monotonous, but also infuriating because you're out there whacking away, hitting your 220-yard, 225-yard drive, and you're hitting your 150-yard 7-iron, and you're, you're, you're putting it fine and stuff, and this guy's still beating you. He's away on every shot. He's in the middle of the fairway on every shot. He has absolutely no trouble. Any card's a, a 78, and you're walking in with your, you know, 87. Because he's learned the game. Yeah. He's learned to play within himself, too. 
which is one of the yeah, mistakes learned we talked about last his week. His ball is on the golf course in a playable, findable spot, you know, mm-hmm. and he gets to do it again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. And I guess when you get old enough, you probably realize just how unimportant ego is, especially to your golf game. You know, the trick is, is to play with people at that point that you like being with Mm -hmm. that you can hit it past and then you're okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why Mark and I are such good friends, man. (laughs) Is that that the key? So who does he play with? Yeah, well, you know, it, there has to be somebody at the bottom of the period eventually. But, you know, those, are, those are a couple of mistakes, and, and I'm sure you've got more at the top that you, you keep seeing. I mean, let's see if we can try to yeah. try to convert some of these people, man. You know, I, I see so many things. It just makes me crazy, you know? I, I think that, you know, people who aim poorly mm-hmm. is another thing, right? They're just aiming at some general area out there, like, okay, I'm aiming over there. Really? Like the ocean over there? <laughs> Hope you hit it. You got to aim at something a little smaller, folks. Try to sit there and hone in what you're trying to hit it at because you'd be surprised. The power of the mind here that you really can succeed if you tried aiming at something small and your miss will be a lot closer to the end target. Mm -hmm. I'm stunned at how often that rings true is people, they, the the whole thing is they, they say aim small and then miss small. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get that. That makes perfect sense. There's a point. Yeah. Because your brain is a, a really an impressive tool. We're not all sure how it works yet. That's kind of one of those things that we're always in search of is how is it that people are truly performing? Right. What is it that makes us perform a certain way? Look at people who dance and do play musical instruments and, and all that stuff. Their brains are wired to do something and can make their body do magical things. Right. Look at the best athletes in the world. And how coordinated they are. And you say, well, how do they do that? People see the physical, but it's really the brain that's making it happen. Mm -hmm. So if you got your brain honed in on some smaller target, like a dimple on the ball, you would strike the ball better as opposed to just looking at this gray area down there of fuzziness, you know, and, and you might land the club behind it. You know, I like aiming at specific places. Like, let's say that there's a tree on my line way off in the distance. I'm not aiming at the tree. I'm aiming at a certain spot on that tree. Right. Like, for example, that little space between those two branches on the top right-hand section of the tree where I can see that little cloud through. So that's a whole clearer image of an exact spot than mm-hmm. just say, oh, yeah, it's over there. Or, or oh, yeah, it's over there, and that tree's somewhere in that over there. Or and it's even a more exact spot than saying, I'm going to aim it at that tree. Do you extrapolate that down even further and – and do a, an imaginary line from where you're aiming to your ball and then pick a spot that you can see while you're looking at your ball in front of your ball? As best I can. Okay. Um, there are times where I've got some erratic grass, yeah. nothing pristine. Gotcha. And I can pick out a something on that line, a little depression or a little clump of grass or a, a dandelion or a, of, you know, other sort of thing that's in that mm-hmm. line. Right, right. And it really helps. Yeah. I'm going to knock it right over that thing. I'm knocking it right over that leaf because I've known that leaf is right on my line and I can rip it right over that leaf. Right. And if I can send it over there, I'm in good shape. Right. So I pick things. So it depends on what's out there for me to, to choose, but it's always a good visual to be able to do that. Yeah. I find that helps a lot in putting. 
Is, yeah, no you, doubt. You find a spot that and it's just important that you find a spot that you can see while you're looking at the ball. And you'll you'll know then that you are aligned at least as as accurately as you think you have been, you know. Yeah. So if it's right, it's going to be right, and if it's wrong, it's going to be wrong. But that's that's the overall thing. At least if you look at a spot in front of the ball, it's going to go more or less where you have aimed it. Hopefully, you have aimed it at the correct place. And one more question about something that I know a lot of people do wrong. You, you talked earlier in, about the guy who can't hit the the driver straight, right? And he's always yeah. always trying to practice so he can get the driver straight. After about three or four tee shots where he's gone terribly to the right, he starts aiming to the left. Why is it that once you do that, for the most part, you start hitting the ball straight to where you aimed it, which means you're in the woods on the left now <laughs> instead of the woods on the right? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I know. What is that? That's just I golf, wish I could right? Pinpoint. I wish I could pinpoint that, right? but that's we all we all have difficult things like that you're like man i can't i can't explain that yeah it's just you know what i i just think it it, again it's it's the brain it's the brain brain saying oh wait we've been hitting it too far to the right i'm sorry let's hit it straight now and do what it needs to do to hit it straight even though you know consciously you're looking to hit it left so again the brain is a not only a terrible thing to waste, but a terrible thing to try to understand, but, you know, use it carefully. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say it's a terrible thing. <laughs> it's <not. laughs> I just, is a terrible thing. I forget his name, man, but he was he was a rather overweight pitcher. Either the Red Sox or the Yankees are one of those teams, and he was on one of the all-night shows. And they asked Wait him, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're what? not allowed, as a Bostonian, <laughs> you are not allowed to act like you don't know the, if a guy played for the Red Sox or the Yankees. Are yeah. you kidding me? I'm, probably, I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up. We've got more to talk about. We're going to talk about Tiger Woods designing his own golf ball. Yeah, that's going to be embarrassing if he doesn't win, huh? We're going to come right back with Elliot Mello from Bridgestone Golf. Hang with us. We are those weekend golf guys, don't you? You know, the Super Bowl's over. You know what's coming next? Baseball season. And you want to get up close and personal with some of the guys on your favorite team. What you need to do is go to spring training. Now, if you go out to the Cactus League spring training in the Phoenix area, you're going to get 15 Major League Baseball teams, 10 stadiums, all within the greater Phoenix area, and a lot of other stuff to do. You can go to the game. You can get your autographs. You can get up close and personal with the guys. And then take the family. I don't know. Go see the Grand Canyon. Go take your clubs and make sure you hit some of the golf courses around Scott Dale and Phoenix, great courses there. But of course, it's Major League Baseball time. And, you know, a lot of us can't get to a Major League Baseball stadium. Spring training, 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams. It's less expensive. It's much more intimate. And Phoenix is a lot of fun. Plan your spring training getaway right now. Go to visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. Thanks for hanging and coming back. We are those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at the Timbergate Golf Course. And with us, Elliot Mello from the sprawling Bridgestone headquarters just outside Atlanta, Georgia. Elliot, uh, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I am good, guys. Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I am uh, 
We're here in Covington, Georgia. Covington, the, uh, As you I, head towards uh, Augusta, where the last exit before it becomes a, a two-lane road. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what do they say the best thing to come out of Augusta, Georgia is? Interstate 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would argue Tiger with that green jacket last year was a pretty cool thing coming out of there. Well, that's true, too. That's true, say too. so. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to argue with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Now, you are the marketing manager for Bridgestone Golf, which which means that you're like in charge of who gets golf balls and what kind of golf balls. And Bridgestone makes some awful – in fact, for Christmas, my brother-in-law got me a whole dozen E6s. Didn't have the heart to tell him <laughs> that I really like the B330s better. But, that's, you know, that wouldn't have been polite at all. But I understand that Tiger – does Tiger know golf ball design? Did he actually design this ball, or did he just come to you all and say, listen, I need a ball that does X and does Y and does Z, and then let actually the scientists and the engineers build it for him? A, a little bit of both, actually. So okay. Tiger understands if we tell him shore D, which is the softness or firmness of a cover, or we talk core compression. He knows what those numbers mean, but he's not necessarily sitting there writing the recipe, so to speak. I got um, and so. The way we work with Tiger, and we, you know, we've been working with Tiger nearly 20 years now. We made a golf ball he used to play that was sold by a different company. <laughs> but what's different this go around, um, we got to work with him a little bit closer since he's truly part of the Bridgestone umbrella. And he really got to sink his hands into this one. And he was very instrumental in designing the new golf ball. He, you know, when he hits shots, he's, he's looking at what works for his game. He's like all golfers. You know, we all selfishly want the best equipment for ourselves. Sure. Uh, and so he's looking at what helps him. But, He's also providing feedback on that doesn't work for me, but I could see that working really good in, in maybe the Tor BX or the RX spec and helps guide uh, balls just beyond just the one that he uses. One of the things I love about your company with the um, the way you guys let folks test the balls is a lot of your competitors bring all of their models, and that's what you test, all of their models. Every time I've gone and had a Bridgestone guy, he asks me what ball I play now and tests your balls against what I'm playing now. And I just think it's it's a much much more fair comparison. So kudos on that score to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. We've got we've got nothing to hide. Ball fitting's a it's a it's a brand statement for it. It's a brand position for us. It's it's a tool to allow consumers and golfers to find the best product for their game. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is ball fitting's also an R and D tool. And so what I mean by that is we take all that data from the fittings from Bridgestone and from the competitive models and we analyze them and we say, all right, where's the holes in the marketplace? Where's the areas to improve? And then that's what next year's golf ball becomes. We, we're constantly trying to better fill those gaps that the golfer is not being served with. Is there been a measurable increase in sales since Tiger started playing Bridgestone balls? <laughs> the uh, the Tiger effect is real. Okay, uh, it, it is real for sure. It's, it's interesting because we've if you look at Pre-Tiger Bridgestone, we we still have our core our core user is still there. The guy that understands we're technology leaders that understand we provide fitting options and Bridgestone fits their game best. That user still is there, mm. but now we've picked up a whole nother rung of users on top of that that are that are Tiger fans and want to be associated with the brand that Tiger's associated with. It's not it's not really thinking that if they use the same ball, they'll play the same way. There, well, some of that we all know there. that's a little bit delusional. <laughs> just a tad. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> just checking with people just to make sure they still got their brains screwed on straight. Yeah, that's it. Let's just wear the same shoes. Let's wear the same shirt, the same belt, the same hat. Yeah. Play the same golf ball in the same golf clubs, and we will have that amount of talent, and we will be out there winning billions of dollars. 
Yes, that's the ticket. <laughs> Sorry. You know, coming from you, you make it sound like such an easy game, Jeff. <laughs> it is, John. I'm telling you. You just yeah. got to know how how it all plays out. Yeah. You get yourself the Bridgestone golf ball, the Tiger plays, and you're in, man. Right. That's it. <laughs> you know, and I know you made the ball he used at the Masters when he hit that marvelous chip shop that did like a 260-degree turn. And hung on the lip of the cup just long enough to get an extended version shot of the logo on that ball. But alas, yeah, you guys didn't get the credit. Yeah, alas, it was not the Bridgestone logo. You think you could get him to do that again with your ball, just so you can, you know, get the right the right logo in the picture? That would be nice. We're trying. We're trying to. You know, we um, you know, we used to have the Bridgestone golf logo, the whole the whole thing written out. Yeah. Uh, and then around the time that we signed Tiger, we went to just the B mark logo, so the big distinguishable B on, right. on the ball, which which was intentional, obviously. I mean, when when Tiger puts the ball in play, the whole world is watching that golf ball. So we did add the branding element to it. And to your point about the other ball, we think, and by our calculation, in one way, shape, or form, Bridgestone has contributed to around sixty-five of the wins and thirteen of the majors. Wow! And how how many people knew when they were playing those other balls that they were actually playing Bridgestones and made the transition when that other company stopped selling balls? It's wild. I worked here. I've worked here now for eleven years, and mm-hmm. the uh, when we were making that ball, the first six years that I worked here, I, I wasn't allowed to go in the factory. <laughs> um, it, was, it was rather bizarre because they were trying to keep it a secret what we were doing out there. But now, uh, now the world's starting to kind of learn that story. Yeah, like security clearance for golf ball company. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny, actually. <laughs> but, but that, truthfully, though, that goes along with a lot of the secrecy that surrounds Tiger Woods. It just falls in that same realm. There's things going on behind the scenes that, you know, that's a corporate th- going on behind the scenes thing. But there's an awful lot of other stuff that that just fits right in. How many different um, types of balls do you guys market these days? We're just doing the Bridgestone now. We're not doing any of those other brands. Okay. Within the Bridgestone uh, line, we've got uh, we've got four tour balls at the top of the pyramid. This is what Tiger plays, the mm-hmm. Matt Kuchers, the DeChambeau's of the world. And that's called their Tour B series. And um, that's the tour level ball. And then for the player looking for more distance and more accuracy, they're, so they're, they're looking at it as a straighter golf ball. We have our E12 that we came out with last year. And that kind of replaced the E6. And the E12 name came from the 12 years of ball fitting data that we used to design those golf balls. Right. Um, and that, those are really what we focus on. Uh, we, we do have some other balls that uh, just kind of low compression, soft golf balls and precept distance balls and some other things. But really the, the Tor B and the E12 is, is really the focus of Bridgestone. How fast a swing speed do you need to, uh, to have in order to do justice to the, any of the Tor B series balls? I mean, is it something that <laughs> that the average golfer or the slightly, you know, the almost break 80 kind of guy could benefit from? That's a great question. So we have four tour balls, four of these tour B golf balls. But what I tell people all the time is for you, for your game, we really only have two. And so what I mean by that is for guys that swing tour fast, 105 plus miles per hour, uh, we got the tour BX, which is distance oriented. And then we have the tour BXS, the tiger plays that's really more spin oriented. Mm-hmm. And so those are for the faster swinging guys. And then what we do for mere mortals like, uh, like John and I is we have the lower compression versions. Yeah. Um, and the design for swing speeds under 105 miles per hour. So it's taking the same type of idea, the same types of covers, but it's putting them in a softer core that normal people can hit. In the under 105, we've got, uh, tour BRX for distance. And then we've got RXS uh, for more spin and green side control. 
and it, it's interesting because in the past, those, you know, those have been maybe a little bit more recreational oriented, but this year, the RX family is actually having some tour support. Um, we've got, uh, we got Freddie Couples and Rocco Media playing the, uh, the RXS out there. And actually, they're playing the yellow one this year. So mm. really validates those at the highest of levels. The eyes are the second thing to go when you start getting old. I've had to go to the uh, yellow colored balls myself to be able to see them. It got to the point if I hit a ball beyond 150 yards, I knew it came down because gravity would say it would have to. But I couldn't tell you where. That was <laughs> terrible, man. It was interesting working with them because I would, Freddie and Rocco, you know, you, you go back 18 months, two years ago. We brought up the idea of yellow to those kind of guys, and they kind of scoffed it off and kind mm -hmm. of thought it was a joke. But mm -hmm. then after they've hit them and played with them, they've done a complete 180, so much so that when we're doing prototype balls, they now want the prototypes in yellow just because they're so much more comfortable with yellow than white. Yeah, uh, it is so much easier to see. I played with a guy the other day who was using purple balls, and it was great. You could see it in flight so much better than any other ball. But once it hit the ground, I mean, you had to be on top of it to find it. Purple and green mm -hmm. just don't contrast all that well, I guess. I don't know. But yellow, I love it. And everybody's going to yellow now. It used to be a, a novelty, but now people, I guess. Yeah, have... see, the trouble with the, with those is there's an awful lot of public golf courses out there. And when dandelion season goes, yeah. it's a tough deal. Yeah. And also, <laughs> every, tough deal. and also, if you're playing a yellow ball on any fairways close to the practice tee, because <laughs> so yeah. many courses use yellow colored <laughs> practice balls. You know, There's my ball. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Bummer. So, <laughs> yeah. When you're in the golf ball business, man, I mean, is is there a point where you get to to diminishing returns, or even better yet, the question: How are you guys dealing with the controversies now about golf courses being too short because the equipment, both the the manu club manufacturers and ball manufacturers are consciously doing things to make stuff go farther. And now you're kind of like out hitting the courses you play on. Without getting too political on that answer, you mm -hmm. know, we there is a set of rules out there and we honor those rules and we operate within those rules that right. the USGA and the RNA have. Um, so if they don't like what it, just today's let rules them, are and what the future rules are. Yeah, let them change the rules instead of, you know, complaining about you guys. Yeah, so I mean, well, what's interesting on the ball front, especially, and we talk about this a lot, is you know if you think of the course of around seventy-two shots for Jeff, closer to a hundred for John and I, <laughs> yeah. the couple is being put under a lot of different situations, and so what that allows us to do is really allows us to innovate in different ways for different types of shots. You know, whereas we're not Bridgestone, we're not big on the on the club side of it. We have clubs, but it's not necessarily our bread and butter. And so the reason I bring that up is a driver has one type of impact. You're hitting it off of a tee and it's really easy to kind of define the performance of a driver, whereas the ball is a little more vague, a little more ambiguous because it's being struck by Tiger at 122 miles an hour, and then it's being struck with a, a weekend warrior chipping a shot with a little bump and run with a seven iron and everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. And so there still is a lot of room for innovation on the ball front. Cool. And here's another <laughs> idea for future golf balls. Put something in it like a, a radio transmitter so I can find it in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's we get yeah. we, we have people that say they want the findable ball we have people that want the floating golf ball <laughs> um and i and i talked to my boss and he just said that's not good for business yeah he said, well that's true <laughs> that's right because nobody's gonna pay the one-time fee for that ball because <laughs> that one's gonna be pretty high <laughs> you have to make mm -hmm. them a replaceable commodity <laughs> there you go now i understand <laughs> 
We're trying to sell more than one. <laughs> Elliot Mello, marketing manager, Bridgestone Golf, our guest here on those weekend golf guys. And and a little a little time for some shameless self promotion, Elliot. If somebody said to you just basically, why should I play Bridgestone over some other brand that I have in my bag right now, what would you tell them? I think our big breakthrough this year is in the form of a new cover material that we have. Okay. So if you think we were talking about Tiger earlier, if you think back to 2000, what, what happened in 2000 is Bridgestone manufactured a multi-layer urethane golf ball. Tiger goes on to win the Tiger Slam. So we have a history of innovating in the cover. And here we are, Bridgestone and Tiger, 20 years later, and we have a new material that's called Reactive. And what Reactive does is it goes beyond urethane. And so Reactive is faster off of the driver, high impact, high velocity motion, and actually firms up and becomes faster off the driver. But then on the flip side of that, on the short game shot, the reactive material, it elongates the face time, as Tiger says, on the short game shot. And what that longer face time on the short game shot does is allow the loft and the groove to bite in and better do their thing and add more control in the short shot. So essentially, the reactive material has pushed the boundaries of what's possible in terms of both distance and spin. And that, that new cover that we helped design with Tiger uh, is on all four of our new Tour B golf balls. All right. So there you have it. That's the reason it's not just a prettier box. It's actually, you know, something that's going to help the game. So there you go. And, and what was my swing speed last time? It was 36, wasn't it, Jeff? 36, John. Yeah, 36. <laughs> that's the driver club head speed yeah. measured at impact. Yeah. It's also the putter head speed. So there you go. <laughs> Someday I'm actually going to learn how to play so, this game, I think. Elliot Mello, marketing manager, Bridgestone Golf. Do appreciate your time with us here on those weekend golf guys. I want to talk to you about my wife. She is a critical care nurse, works four 12-hour shifts a week at the hospital. Her knees hurt. And she's tried the Icy Hots and the Bengays of the world only to say, yeah, I got 20 minutes of relief. That pain is right back again. So I got this bottle of stuff in the mail. This is Omax Health. It's called CryoFreeze CBD. They developed it at Omax Health. It's a non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on, specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. All right, so she rolled it on and went to work. Came back in the morning, and you know what she said to me? It works! Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryptoFreeze pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. Now, the discount also applies to anything, any product, site-wide on their website. Just go to omaxhealth.com today. Enter the code WEEKEND and take advantage of this incredible savings. That is omaxhealth.com and enter the code WEEKEND. You'll get 20% off CryoFreeze and anything else site-wide. omaxhealth.com. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. Those Weekend Golf Guys. You can check us out yep. anytime online, thoseweekendgolfguys.com. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash golfguys. We would appreciate you going there and following us and liking us and do all that stuff that makes us feel so important in your lives. Um, so now we know a how to design our own golf ball, or at least yeah. why we would uh, really want to play. And if you see Jeff or me at a golf course around town anywhere, yeah, hit us up because, you know, they're going to be sending us some. They are. You know, here's the thing. I want to design my own golf ball because if, if Tiger can do it, well, then I should be able to do it too. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Tiger's got a $40 million yacht too. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. So much for that comparison. More mistakes that golfers <laughs> make. I mean, these, these are some biggies, guys, and we all do it. And whether we think about it or not, yes. but the biggest one is that, that freezing over the ball. Whoa. I just threw a pen. 
<laughs> the biggest one is freezing. Slippery hands? Do you? Yes, very slippery hands. The, the biggest one is freezing. The biggest mistake, of course, is freezing over the ball because that just ruins all of the pre-shot stuff that you have done. The aiming and the, you know, the waggle and getting yourself loose and ready to go. And then you don't do anything and your body just sits there and tenses up and it just negates all the good stuff that you've done up to that point. And then the three, uh, the three steps was to break 80. Um, go, yeah, you, go for 33 we putts. Do that. Yeah. 33 putts. Uh, try to hit at least eight greens in regulation. And, um, what was the third one? Three pounds. I forget. Go back and uh, listen. <laughs> don't do, don't do stupid things. Yeah, don't do stupid things. But exactly. it, you know, it's 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 figuring out what you're going to do right around the greens. Is it is it putter? Yeah. Is it wedge? Putting. What are we doing? Putting right. and wedging. And again, you know, especially if you're playing like cause some of the courses around here, man, are, are very fast greens, and they they have the uh, the aprons and and the uh, fairways approaching the greens very closely mown. They're very easy to putt off of. In fact, I think like uh, when you when you've got the you know a, one of those those very hard lies, you've probably most of us could do better putting than chipping, because it is such a tough lie, and the putter just just is is better because we never practice our wedges at all, which is something else we're going to talk to you about next week. Tisk tisk tisk. Remember those weekendgolfguys.com, Facebook.com slash golf guys. You can follow us on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys. Uh, practice a little bit. Stop making those stupid mistakes. This is the year you're gonna break 80. And to do that, you gotta go out and play some golf. And now a little bonus content from February of 2017. Jeff Smith gives a lesson on increasing club head speed. And thanks for hanging. We are back here those weekend golf guys. Uh, we told you a few moments ago that 11 extra yards shouldn't cost you 500 bucks. Um, and we can do it for five, basically with $5golfclub.com or right now do it for absolutely free. If, free is cool. Because this is the time. Jeff's going to give you a quick okay. fix. If you need more speed. Um, so here we go. Listen close. This is basically a, a conversation that I had with a student right before the show. And, and I gave you the description of him, and I'll give that again. Here's a guy, you know, 61, 62 years old, 5'8", mm-hmm. 180, 90 pounds, mm-hmm. okay? Um, hips are no good. Um, you know, he's not overly mobile. So he's not a young, strapping high school kid right. uh, or college kid. My client base are, are people like that. So now all of a sudden I've got a guy in front of me who is dying for more club head speed because at the beginning his hand speed was nine miles an hour and his club head speed was 66 miles an hour. Halfway through the lesson, his hand speed is up to 14. I got him to move his hands faster and I'll show you that. I'll tell you how and when it. Okay. And his club head speed got to 78. I stepped in. Then I swung one where my hands were also moving at 14 miles an hour, but my club head speed was 97. I didn't make my fastest golf swing at all. I didn't even make the one I normally hit with, but I showed him the big differential between 14 miles an hour hand speed and 97 miles an hour club head speed, and I said, let's look. You just moved your hands at 14 miles an hour, and I moved my hands at 14 miles an hour. So we were swinging our hands 
at the same speed. So it isn't like I could produce a significant amount more of moving my hands toward the target down at the bottom. But I said, but I can show you how I can get you to do something with your hands that moves the club head faster than what you've ever moved it. The long story short. Oh, it's too late for that. End, yeah. <laughs> now, sorry. Long story a little shorter than what you wanted. <laughs> he managed to get 86 miles an hour club head speed by the end of the lesson. Okay. That's 20 stinking miles an hour faster. And what does that translate into distance-wise? Because he was not hitting the ball in the center of the club face all the time. It was a little erratic, but he picked up 31 yards. Whew. See? Mm. 31. I was there in math the day they said 31 (laughs) is greater than 11. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just just keep that in mind. He picked up 31 yards. That was his longest one. Uh All right. Because he finally hit that one, you know, close to the face. Catching more distance, you've got to have, first thing, your club's got to move faster. The head has to move faster. And in order to get that to happen, his hands had to move faster. And then he had to uncock his wrists a lot faster. Okay. And second, to get the distance that he desperately needed, he also needed to hit the sweet spot of the club. So we worked on his understanding of what he needed to do to cock his wrist faster, and that was essentially to cock them back to begin with. He couldn't uncock his hands because he never really cocked them. Oh, he, he was Mr. Tight Hands and Stiff. So oh, at the okay. top of his backswing, his club, you know, a lot of people say, well, your club needs to be parallel to the ground and all that stuff. Yeah. No, 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 no. They need to be 90 degrees to your forearm or greater. You know, wherever your forearm stops, you know, if your club's, yeah. not, you know, forget about the ground. Here's a guy who could not make that large a backswing because his body wouldn't let him. Like I said, right. bad hips. Yeah. Right? But it was the, the problem was in his hands, he was squeezing so tightly that he could not cock his wrists so that he couldn't uncock them. Gotcha. Because they never really cocked to begin with. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I softened up his hand and I actually gave him a little bit stronger grip because of the... The, the grip position that he had was that same one that a lot of guys use, and they'll, they'll decide that the interlock grip underneath the club has to be the most important part about their grip, and then they squeeze the heck out of their fingers, yeah. you know, and they jam the, the pinky of their right finger into the base of the index finger on the left hand, yeah. and then your left hand turns under, and your right hand turns under, so those, that can be the most important part in their mind, and then they squeeze it, and then they wonder why they can't cock their wrists. Because they've just put themselves in a position where it doesn't work. And they squeezed it. So they can't do anything. So left hand, I gave him a little bit stronger grip. I took away his interlock and let him go overlap. And he was finding that to be really strange. Mm-hmm. But yet he saw himself square the club face every time when I just said, okay, cock your wrist to the right and cock your wrist back to straight. And every time he saw it, he saw a straight club face. And he went, oh, so I can still <laughs> hit it straight. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Sure can. <laughs> and then. You taking notes, Mark? Yeah, well, it's okay. He's got the recording of this. And his right hand, I just stuck it right on the side of the shaft, and I said, okay, no more trying to turn it over. He says, I don't turn it over? Nope, don't turn it over. He goes, but then I'll, like, then you'll hit it straight. (laughs) Because right now, if you turn it over, it's going to hook. He's like, okay. So the first two he hooked, he went, boy, you're right. Hate it when that happens. Yeah, I just sat there and go, you know, it's not luck. Um, So (laughs) he says, okay, I won't roll now. And next thing you know, he started hitting it, and they all still went up the middle, which is good for him, you know, because mm-hmm. he was a fairway guy. Yeah. And, um, and next thing you know, more distance, more distance, and more distance kept coming, and his longest, his longest one was 31 yards longer. Okay. You've yeah. really set us up, and we're regaling in the story of this old dude. Yeah. But how do we do it? Well. How do we swing I faster? See, I have to see yours. Truth be told, let's. 
Think of something as easy as you could think of. Let's clear your mind. Okay. Swing the club head as fast as you can at the bottom, which means you won't stop it. You'll fling it as fast as humanly possible. You have to have that thought in your head. The club head must be flinging through there as fast as you could possibly do it. Now, that is not what I see a lot of guys do because I see some people, a lot of people, who just pull their club head, they pull the handle past the ball because they think that pulling is the way to make a club go faster. And it is most definitely not. It's the way to make it go slower. Those of you who are out there in listener, Listenerville, mm-hmm. if you think that you are going to pull a club head or pull the handle of your club and have a fast club head speed, you're, you're not thinking properly. Okay. At what point in the swing do you start to un- uncock your wrist? As quick as possible. You cock there are people at who the top. try to do it at the top, right? It's fully cocked at the top. Yeah. And in this downswing that takes about a third of a second. Right. Okay. Do you really think, John, that you could split hairs? Yes. Say, in a sixth of a second, I start. Yes. <laughs> Guess what? You can't. You're incorrect. <laughs> you can <laughs> think that all you want, but you can't do it. So you have to think that you're flinging that club head into the golf ball as fast as you can because your body's going to turn fast mm-hmm. and your arms are going to swing the club into the golf ball fast. And if your hands are way behind that, you are slowing it down. Oh, yeah, and then your ball goes to the right, too. Oh, we can't have that. No, we can't okay. have that. Okay. So right. basically, just think about flinging the club. Yeah. And if you want to swing Straight something extra heavy to begin with, does that help? Like, are you thinking about, like, a couple irons? Yeah. Yeah, it'd give you that nice feeling. Or one of them 413-pound driver <laughs> training things you got yeah, up there? Up there uh, right. I don't like that one so much. I didn't either, man. That was heavy. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it's, it's a training thing, and I don't use it to, to tell people to just loosen up with that. Okay. Uh, but definitely, you've got to, you can't uncock what you don't cock. Right. You know, so, so cock you can't your wrist. Cock your wrist if you don't cock them first. So cock your wrist and just think about flinging the club head through the ball. You have to uncock as fast as you can, and the club head is essentially flinging into the golf ball. And the hardest part is to keep going after you make contact. I don't have that problem. I'm going so fast that. It no, just you don't have that going. problem. <laughs> no. But then this isn't to fix your game. We this is to fix mortals. Oh yeah, we mere mortals have that problem. I don't know why you would try to go as fast as you could down at the ball and then stop it at the same time. Well, I mean, there's a lot about this game that none of us can explain. But we will try. And we will try very hard when we come right back. Hang out. We are those weekend golf guys. Don't you move. <laughs> 